What's going on, coaches? We just want to start this episode uh, by telling um, everyone in the affected areas of Oklahoma with uh, tornadoes and flooding uh, that our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. Um, it's been there's places around Oklahoma where where that's been fairly unaffected, and there's places just uh, uh, in in our my own community uh, which have been flooded, uh, hit by tornado up at the high school, um, uh, and then a special you know thought out to everyone living in El Reno, which got hit uh, very hard. And, and uh, like I said, flooding, tornadoes, and, and more to come, it looks like, in the coming uh, week at least. So our thoughts and prayers go out to you guys. Any coaches out there, um, you guys stay strong and uh, very glad and happy to be a part of, of – to be an Okie and to be a part of this great coaching community. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product – few months ago and we have to say that it is a game changer uh, we obviously especially love the playbook tool that allows us to create our favorite blocking schemes which hopefully you guys know by now our power counter inside zone and pin and pull uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive just play is a limited offer for rtp listeners only you can get my just play pro for 120 dollars, which is uh, 60 dollars off the normal listing price offer ends june 1st so you guys got to get it now uh, get this deal at justplaysolutions.com slash rtp the best playbook tool on the market uh, and again you got to go to justplaysolutions.com slash rtp uh, it's only valid till june 1st so don't wait go do it today this episode of the podcast is brought to you by team builder team builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country whether you write your own programs have a full-time strength coach or need training programs team builder can make your program more efficient more accountable and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room right now team builder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. That's team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Adam Wardlaw. Coach Wardlaw is the JV head coach at Belton Path High School in South Carolina. Listen as we talk with Coach Wardlaw about his coaching journey in South Carolina uh, along with his strategies for teaching life skills and leadership in his science classroom and football meetings. You can follow Coach Wardlaw on Twitter at Coach Wardlaw. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, I'm... I'm from a small town, Williamson, South Carolina, up in the upstate. I don't know how familiar your audience is going to be with South Carolina. I don't know if – have y'all had any guys from, from South Carolina before? I know I heard a guy from North Carolina one time. Um, have we had anyone walls from South Carolina? Yeah, a guy, a guy that I used to coach with at Jenks, uh, Carl Johnson's out in South Carolina. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, well, we're kind of in the upstate area, which is uh, – you know, you can kind of divide South Carolina up into three – kind of areas you got the upstate Greenville area in between Atlanta and Charlotte and then you got Columbia which is the capital and all that's kind of the middle of the state and then of course you got the beaches and Charleston and all that down on the lower end but anyway so I'm up in the upstate um, grew up 20 minutes from Clemson so you know that's always a, a big deal around here especially now <laughs> that they're especially now that they're super good but um, 
went to a uh, two-way high school, real small, um, especially listening to some of the schools I hear you guys get guys from. Uh, we had about, I guess, 900 maybe at tops. Um, you know, middle of the road, I would say we were always five and five. You know, if we were six and four one year, that was a good year. But uh, third year, my junior year, I guess, we, we managed to win the conference and all that, running good old wing tee and stuff. We never had the athletes and all that. I was really a guard playing middle linebacker. Um, probably could have been all right looking back at it as guard, but I guess just what we needed kind of had to be the plugger in the 4-3 that we ran at the time. But um, went on to – walk on at Presbyterian College, which is kind of closer to Columbia in the middle of the state. Um, so they are a, they were a newer FCS school um, and walked on there and played two years there. And then my sophomore year of college, uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we found out we were going to be parents. So, you know, life kind of throws you a big curveball. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> That's right. And, uh, Made it through winter workouts, and then about spring ball, I realized that probably just needed to hang it up and try to get some money somehow. So it actually ended up working out. I got to work for the team instead. Hmm. Uh, so the last two years, I was able to kind of see a different side of it, not necessarily as a player, but as, uh, you know, just kind of helping out really. Any job, you name it, I was probably doing the dirty work for it, um, from laundry to setting up for recruiting stuff to, you know, you name it. Um, driving recruits around uh, on kind of the little bus we had from the hotel and campus and all that, um, shuttling their parents and stuff. So, I mean, I just got um, kind of two sides of it in college. Uh, about February, I guess, of my senior year, I was doing my student teaching and all that. Um, got offered a job teaching at a middle school that's about seven minutes from where I grew up. Um, good school district. So, you know, I wanted to jump on that. Um, cause you know, I thought I was just going to be a teacher. I didn't really think football was going to be an option. Hmm. Um, well, as it turns out, some of the same coaches that had coached me when I was in high school, uh, found themselves, uh, coaching at the high school that I coach at now. And so I guess when they heard that I'd gotten a job at the middle school and all that, they let our athletic director, Russell Blackston know. And it wasn't long after I accepted the job at the middle school, he gave me a call and asked if if I wanted to coach some football, which, you know, I was all for that. Um, yeah. So here I am, uh, just just finished year three. So first two years uh, was kind of a, you know, JV position coach and then kind of just helped out uh, with the defensive backs on the varsity. Um, and then just finished my third year where I got to be the JV head coach. And then on Fridays got to help out our defensive coordinator, Jared Jennings, um, who's really only a year older than me, young guy calling our defense. And uh, it's been great because we got to kind of go through the JV ranks together, and then he got the defensive coordinator job. And it's been great getting to learn a lot from him. He's kind of a mastermind. Y'all need to get him on the show sometime. Hey, man, we're all ears. We're, we're always taking, uh, taking applicants. We love getting guys on. Uh, Coach, you know, a couple things you'd said, and I didn't get a chance to ask you before, you know, you, you got into – your, your football journey, um, you know, what are some of the things, you know, being a young coach that, you know, maybe you kind of, you kind of recognize or, or areas that you need to work on and how has, you know, social media or, you know, podcasts like, like RTP, how has that kind of helped and, and maybe even accelerate the process? Cause I know when, when I was both 
y'all's age, it was, it was a lot more difficult. You know, the, the things on, <laughs> things on the internet were, were pretty sporadic and you had to almost kind of steal playbooks and, and, you know, find some guys that were willing to share PDFs and things like that. And, you know, video in those days was, was almost impossible to come by because, you know, it, it was just, it was just bad and, and the stuff they had online. So, so how's that kind of accelerated it coach? And, and what are some of the things you've picked up and learned? Ah, uh, shoot. Um, you know, I've been trying just to scrap everything I could together and, and try to put together, um, you know, what me and the, the other JV coaches as a staff thought would be a good kind of JV program and, and fill the role for a, a JV team and help develop guys for varsity. And I would say podcast and, um, you know, just social media and all that has accelerated it. Gosh, I don't know, so fast because from the get-go, I was able just to digest all kinds of information. And um, my first years when we got on match quarters and we're kind of just eating up everything Coach Alexander was putting out, um, and now that Coach Jennings is our defensive coordinator, we're kind of getting a lot of it put into practice. Um, but, I mean, it's just been great. And, and I think X's and O's are always something that you're going to be getting better at. But what – I think has really matured me as a coach is being able to see um, from a leadership standpoint how other programs do it and kind of some of the systems they have in place. And really, if if I was in another time period and it was my third year coaching ball and I was asked to be uh, the head coach of a, a JV team with 55 players on it with only four designated JV coaches, I think we would have been lost. I mean, we just wrapped up a – 10 and 0 season and um, had a good year on varsity too. And I think a lot of it had to do with some of the leadership principles that we were able to gather from guys all over the country. How was that uh, getting that bump up to the, the uh, junior varsity head coaching position? Uh, I got to assume it's, you know, uh, do you think that kind of got, was that a, uh, you know, kind of a, a next step for you g jumping up to being the head coach over, over an entire group? I, I would assume it's a, a quite a big difference from just being an assistant coach. I kind of asked that as, as only, I've only been an assistant coach. I know coach Wall's been a head coach uh, once or twice. I can't remember how many times, but uh, was that a, a, a big difference or a big jump for you this past year? Uh, it was, it was a big jump in the sense that, um, you know, because we kind of run our, our junior varsity program separate from our varsity program. So, you know, the JV staff is in charge of developing the practice schedules and managing um, players and all that kind of stuff separate from the varsity. Um, obviously, if they need a guy or if, if we have a guy that they think can service them, they'll pull them up. Um, so there is that connection and we run the same stuff they do. But it really is almost like two separate programs in a sense that we get that kind of freedom. And um, I think our, our AD and head coach, Russell Blackston, um, I think it's special because it allows younger coaches like myself and, you know, because all the JV guys that we have right now are, are relatively new coaches. And so we kind of get a chance to um, get our feet wet. And it's not necessarily trial by fire, but it is a great – way to learn because a lot of skills you don't necessarily learn until you're actually in it um, you know as you go through college and stuff you, you hear about everything hypothetically and all that but then you know when I get in the classroom it's not like they did in college where every kid's coming from the same background yada yada, yada. Um, and it's the same way with football I feel like you know I was able to 
grow a lot and um, grow from from positive things that happen and grow from things that happen that I kind of wish I could have gone back and and done differently. So I, I would think it was a big jump, but it was a beneficial jump for sure. Coach, did you find that, you know, have it, did you kind of have some guys that maybe you could always kind of sit back and reflect ideas off of or at least, you know, bounce ideas off of? Or was it kind of one of those deals where you just had to, you know what, here, here's the paddle and you're the guy, you're the guy, uh, you know, paddling this thing and you got to kind of do it on your own? Or do you find, you, you know, you had some guys you could bounce things off? Oh, no, for sure. We, um, we had, we had a definitely a shared responsibility. I'm, I'm working on my master's right now from Clemson and, uh, administration. And so a lot of the things they preach, um, uh, as I was taking these classes, they not only applied to school and how schools work, but to sports teams and things like that. And so one of the things that we discussed in class was delegated leadership where, yeah, you might have the principal of a school or the head coach of a football team, but if you delegate out responsibilities and stuff, you're enabling everybody else on your staff and in your faculty uh, to be leaders themselves. And in the event that something were to happen to you and you're not there one day or whatever, um, theoretically things could go on without you and still be effective. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe they get so hung up on, you know, the title or control that they forget, hey, it's the, the, the end, end, end ball game here is for, for things to run smoothly without you having to, to micromanage everything. You know, same thing with, you know, the kids on the field. I think if, if I'm having to sit there and coach every little stinking thing, you know, all the way up to the game, you know, the, the kids aren't being able to take any ownership and they're still not going to play as free as they can. So I think you make a great point by being able to delegate those things, creating more buy-in and also creating you know, a higher level of learning for those people and those kids. It, it just kind of makes it run like a well-oiled machine. And honestly, those are the best CEOs and the best leaders because you've created a culture where, you know, people want to learn and people want to, you know, take ownership of that and go get it done. You don't have to do anything. Yeah, for sure. You know, just kind of reflecting on how last, you know, first year in that title went for us. Um, you know, I, I talk to some of the other guys all the time that, uh, where the JV coaches with me, we got winter workouts going on right now. So I see them, you know, after school a few days a week and we get to just kind of reflect on it. And one thing that we're proud about is the culture we were able to develop with only four coaches and with 55 guys, we were still able to kind of develop this blue collar mentality. Um, you know, if you do the numbers and you divide 55 by four, uh, you might not think we got a lot done during practice, but, the practice plan that we developed as a, as a staff, I think, kept as many kids as possible engaged and as many kids as possible um, improving in some aspect. And so I just think the way we were able to kind of share the load and bounce ideas off each other and trust each other's decision making, um, it wound up being a great year for us. And I'm really looking forward to uh, trying to improve on it um, in some of the areas that I think maybe were weaknesses, trying to improve on those um, as we go into year two. Coach, what is kind of that process, you know, when you guys sit down at the end of the year? I mean, I guess maybe this, this is kind of the, the first one for you being the, the head coach, but have you kind of, you know, had a, you know, I don't know if it's a calendar or a plan for, you know, kind of giving people voice or giving people a chance to give feedback and, and when do you guys kind of start maybe diving into that? I know you said with, you know, winter workouts and, and spring workouts and those things kind of rocking and rolling right now. You know, what does that look like for you guys as an, as an off-season coaching staff? 
So obviously we, we fall under the umbrella that um, our varsity team kind of puts out there, you know, because we are their subgroup. So we follow their schedule, but and we're in on some of the decisions they make. Um, and it usually when we're together for some sort of varsity function or whatever, um, and we hit a certain point in the meeting where we feel like it's a great chance to break off and go talk about things that are specific to the JV program. Um, that's kind of the time where it all fits in and really it's any chance we can get, you know, if it's a professional development day where we kind of got some time to work in our classrooms, we'll, we'll go sit down together or try to get together and hash some things out. And, um, you know, we're a Google district, so we get a lot of stuff on these shared docs and spreadsheets and stuff and we can chat on there and get stuff done. Um, even though we might be at different schools in the district. So, I mean, it looks, it looks a lot of different ways. It also helps that, uh, you know, we're kind of in a small town, and so Saturday nights we're probably hanging out with each other or we're, um, we're at somebody's house on a Sunday afternoon, you know. So we, we really get a lot of time together, not just in the football season, but just year-round. We really, we really are a tight-knit group. Google Drive has been one of the coolest things that we've really – we really got into using at, at Broken Air at my high school um, because it, it is so just easy to share and, and look at all the time. You know, we got our offensive coordinator. Uh, we're kind of lucky. He's, uh, uh, he, he does really well with all of the um, – uh, I've had two. Walls was really, really good with um, uh, technology, and so was Coach Wilk, who's there right now at Broken Arrow. So now it's like we share our practice plan our um, practice script, everything's in Google Drive. So it's like uh, first hour, I get on Google Drive, and there's the script. And so then uh, some, whenever I have time throughout the day, I make the scout cards, and then I add the inside script for, uh, you know, for inside run, and, and all the coaches can look at it. And um, it's been awesome being able to use that and, and kind of keep our, our playbook and different things in it. And so uh, like I said, even like you said, kind of said, even now, like in the off season, we've got some coaches that are at baseball or track or whatever. Um, they don't really miss out on much. They get to get on Google Drive, see what we've added. Um, and like you said, because the school's a part of it, I think we get like unlimited Google Drive space. So any film that we could possibly get, uh, we get to load it up on on the school's Google Drive. Um, and, and it's, it's there and we don't have to pay for it and we can load up almost as much as we want. It's been really, really awesome being able to work with that because, um, you know, we're at a big high school. We don't get to see all the coaches, um, very often. And so to be able to communicate that way and, and get the scripts and get the cards and everything done through that has been really, really beneficial for us these past few years. Yeah, no, uh, no kidding. I mean, we, we literally in the last week and a half, two weeks, we've been able to kind of get rough drafts of, um, kind of our depth charts going into the spring. And then we've already kind of got a rough draft of our summer install plan. And we did all this without really having to sit down for hours on end and talking about it. You know, we kind of were able to work on it when we could and I can see who made the last change and I can kind of shoot him a message about um, maybe looking at something a different way. And then I get a text message from another guy saying, well, hey, why don't we bump this to here? So, I mean, it's just great how um, – there are no limits necessarily to when you can get stuff done. You don't have to all be packed in a room anymore. And it's really freed up, I think, coaches all over the country to be able to kind of be more productive with their time. 
Yeah, it has. I know that's the, uh, you know, there's there's some guys out there that they've got a ton of film. And I think they're having to actually pay for their own Google Drive space, but <laughs> they got a lot of film and, and they load it all up and, and they share it with a bunch of guys everywhere. And that's kind of the, uh, now that's the black market for um, college film right now is is through Google Drive, which I've kind of thought, uh, I can't believe, and, and I would assume here in the next few years it'll happen, but as readily available as film is out there in college football, I, I would think that, uh, like the NFL, they, they kind of sell their All-22 film, like two days after the game, because all the schools can see it anyways, they sell it to people. I, I'm kind of surprised that um, a conference hasn't come out and tried to sell their All-22 film, like a, whatever it is, uh, 200 bucks a year, you get all these games, you get the all 22 film that all the coaches are getting because uh, all the coaches you're going to play against have film of you since, you know, 10 years ago. So it's like, why not try to make some profit of it? I, I'm looking forward to when a conference finally does that because uh, it'll be really, really fun to get all that film as a high school coach. Har- Harper, you already know the answer to this, man. It's all about the kids. It's all about the players. It's not about the money. <laughs> right? None of these conferences and the NCAA doesn't care about money. It's all about the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, ask that guy from, from Texas that just tweeted out this last week, uh, Ellinger, about what he thinks about the whole process. <laughs> hey, did you see um, – uh, I don't mean to get off on a tangent. Did you see that there's like some really rich people, I guess, in California that were uh, paying coaches to – help get their kids in walls <laughs> i did i did see that and it was it wasn't even football no like, like going going and playing a sport that that honestly couldn't even give you your kid a, a full ride now i get you know i get it they're trying to get them into some of these you know elite academic schools and institutions but what a crock man <laughs> hey I, I've, I've seen that too man they got aunt becky from full house getting locked up in that thing i can't oh, believe that oh no <laughs> laura laughlin ain't that her <laughs> nope. she yeah. was one of them and then uh what was the other one the felicity huffman was another one yeah now i did uh you know it, it is crazy just what society's come to that you know you've got people out there that rather than you know buckle down on their kids and get them to work hard or you know uh, achieve something that they're trying to, you know, just kind of bribe their way through it um, just because they have the means. It's crazy, man. No, that kind of stuff, literally, it, it drives me insane. And, and, and honestly, it kind of leads into, you know, some of the, the, the private entities that are out there where, you know, kid, kids now have, you know, private trainers and private coaches and, and they're starting all their, their youth leagues and all their, you know, elite you know, I, I always have the big long, you know, when, when they call it elite, it's got to be the coolest thing ever, you know. Um, but you know, just just the kids, and I think it, it ruins a lot of some of the, the younger, you know, younger leagues and, and younger levels, and some kids get discouraged because it now becomes kind of, you know, can you pay for it and, and how oh, much yeah. money do you have? I think, I think it, it can be good, but I think some places have taken it way too much to an extreme. extreme. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you talk about these elite camps and stuff. And I just, while we're talking here, I Googled what elite's definition is. It says a select group that is superior in terms of ability or qualities to the rest of the group of society. You know, I've looked at some of these elite camps, you know. First of all, if you got a 100 different elite camps in a small state like South Carolina, they don't know what the word elite means. And then if you go check out, if you go check out some of the guys that are at these elite camps, they don't know what the word elite means in terms of 
athletic ability, but you know, it's that's that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> that's right. Well, I actually had a uh, I had a trainer uh, at the University of Houston, and uh, and I don't even know how to segue this into anything, and it probably will will fail really quickly uh, to go anywhere. But I had a uh, I just made me think about it. I had a trainer at University of Houston that she was a trainer at um, South Carolina uh, Gamecocks. And, oh, yeah. and okay. she said that she loved it over there. Uh, she said it was 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 Spurrier. Yeah, that was yeah. He was there before uh, Coach Muschamp's there. Yeah, now. so she was there with Spurrier. She said he was awesome, um, and and she loved it there. And so she was uh, she was kind of a diehard South Carolinian. She had a she had the uh, I, I think it's South Carolina. It was the she had like the tattoo of the um, what is it, like a tree with a moon over it. Oh yeah, that's oh it. yeah. That's she it. had that. She was uh, she was full blown. She was South Carolina first. She was she was a really really good, uh, obviously a great trainer uh, to yeah. kind of make that her job. But uh, it's she, like a love South Carolina. Like a fraternity, I guess she got branded or something. I mean, she had to get the tree and the moon on there. But that's what that's what everyone says about the Oklahoma people too. When I went down to Texas, they're like, "You guys in Oklahoma are all like a cult. You guys all hang out together. You all know each other. You all stick up for each other." Kind of sounds like the same way with South Carolina. Yeah, I guess it's like that everywhere. I mean, you just get you know people with those similar interests and stuff. I mean, it's it's like that everywhere. I guess. Coach, talk a little bit about, you know, Clemson. Obviously, been a solid program for, for many years. Uh, I can't remember, did they ever win a national title before Dabo got one? I know they'd gotten into the, the title game or been in the, you know, kind of in the, in the picture there. But, you know, I, I, I would imagine being 20 miles from that and, and probably being around that atmosphere. You know, what, what's that kind of meant maybe for South Dakota? Sorry, South Dakota. I'm from South Dakota. <laughs> South Carolina football and a little uh, bit different uh, um, a little bit different yeah, right? yeah yeah just a little um but you know what's that kind of meant for you know high school football in the state you know fans around that area obviously you know the the recruiting but I, I just have to imagine that's probably taking it kind of to a whole new level it's probably taking it uh to a, a level y'all probably hadn't even uh realized I mean you know I'm I'm a 20 minute drive from Clemson and um, the land value just around the university now has jumped up and um, just the the national um, brand recognition that Clemson is and Coach Sweeney is. And, I mean, it, it really is crazy how, um, you know, just far-reaching it is. Um, but I do think what what's helped coaches in the state is seeing what Coach Sweeney is about and kind of, the idea of developing this culture um, and, a, and a team first mentality um, rather than um, maybe other places across the country where you see kind of the best guy on the team getting away with X, Y, and Z or whatever the case is. Um, I think it's inspired a lot of people around here to be more transformative leaders. And I know, you know, I'm getting my degree through Clemson right now. And that's something that my professors are talking about is not just being a leader, being a transformative leader where um, you're molding uh, the future generation to be better. Um, and, and I think that's something that has really resonated with me. And it's something that I'm trying to communicate with the guys I coach with um, that we're not just in this to win games. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with, with Coach Randy Jackson. I know he's a pretty popular guy on social media and stuff. Y'all know him? 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I was tearing through his blog the other weekend, and uh, I think one of his first blogs out there was just talking about not being in this for the wins, but being in this for just the, the, the daily fist fight that is molding young people. Um, and, and if that's not really – if you're not really in this profession to, to develop future people to be better, then I kind of think you're in it for the wrong reasons because if you're in it just to win ball games, well, you know, you're never going to win enough ball games. But if you, if you sit back at the end of your career and, um, you know, you can really take pride in how you ran a program and how you held kids accountable for the good and bad things that they did and you didn't just let them get away with murder, um, you know, I think that's what makes this job special. And it's what makes teaching special too. And it's something I think that helped me become a better teacher. And it's something that I'm, I'm definitely trying to share with people that I work with in the school on top of the football field. That was one of the hard ones for me, um, especially coming from college football, which was so, um, so much of a business and so much of, uh, I, I got through it to where I didn't hardly feel like I had a relationship with any of my offensive line coaches. I, I did when they were there. And then uh, almost every single one of them, as soon as they left, I never heard another word from them. Uh, and, and so it was like, and I was never close to my high school coach. And, and then it was all the business of being really, really good in college. And it was all about wins. And, and that's how, you know, coaches got paid. And so I kind of learned it that way. And, and so it took me, you know, three or four years. I got really good at kind of, blabbering the same thing that I heard everyone else say oh yeah it's about you know changing kids lives and and I would repeat it and and be like man I really wish I super felt that way but I just want to be really good at football and and be great at football and and so it's taken me I think probably obviously from getting older has helped me mature a little bit but uh, I think that people that have that just innately I'm kind of jealous of those people because it's something that now I think I do a much better job of, and, and it's been a lot more fun this past couple of years. And a lot of it, I, I say, is because of the podcast and hearing so many coaches on how they do that and, and how important it is to them. And it's finally sunk in a, a lot better. Um, but it, it's not a, just a super easy thing for everyone to do. And, and it is, like you said, so, so important. So uh, if there is any young coaches – I would say probably don't feel too bad if you don't feel like that as a young coach. Just just make sure you're you're working that way because um, I, I got into that this year. We won a state championship and and I thought that was going to be like you had said, man. You chase those wins. We won a state championship and and it it was cool because we won, but it wasn't nearly as gratifying as I thought it was. Um, but I did have one of the best years ever just because I'd finally really started trying to. Uh, much do a much better job of pouring into these kids and building a relationship with them even outside of football. Well, and I think, uh, you know, it goes back to our earlier conversation about how technology and stuff has changed the professional development of coaches. I think these ideas of, you know, the bigger picture are getting through to more people now than they may have ever have. Um, and so hopefully we do see a big wave of people getting in this profession for the right reasons and not for any sort of personal agenda or anything like that, but to truly make a difference um, in the lives of these kids who are the future of our country. You know, as sometimes as scary as it is, they are the future for sure. That's right. I find, I find too, you know, teaching, you know, teaching a leadership class and, and obviously you know, being in the, the meeting room and, and teaching kids, I, I've, I've, it's opened my eyes so much to, 
just how much more research there is out there too on you know psychology and and what types of of strategies work and and what type of of learning you know what type of teaching and instruction works the best and and i i think a lot of times you know people get so wrapped up in in the content you know what what's the scheme you know what what's the what's what's the culture you know the 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 buzzword of the year rather than kind of you know yes. digging into some of these things and 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 really you know hopping into it and then maybe they forget to kind of teach those kids about the same thing so i know like you know some of the lessons i'm doing with kids they're like you know coach how come how come other teachers you know don't don't tell us this stuff how come it's like this secret and i'm like i don't know you know either they they don't know about it or you know it's it's not being preached enough but i think once those kids see the light kind of click on and, and how important some of these things are, you know, how important is your attitude? How important is the way you, you, you drive through some of the bad things in life? It, it's, it's amazing to see these kids. And, and, you know, I don't know if, if we give them enough credit because, you know, they'll, they'll listen and they want to learn just as much, but they, they want to see what's in it for them, just like you and I do. So I think it's, it's, it's all that, that research and being able to kind of, like you said, pour into them the, the stuff that works, you know, kids love stuff that works and kids love yeah. stuff that, that's, that makes them better. You know, I've, I've never met someone that says I want to be really bad at it. You know? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, you know, it, whether or not it's a school or if it's a football team, you know, you got to sit down as a faculty or as a staff and you even need to get some, some of the players or students input, but you got to decide. And cause this is going to be different depending on the community. You got to decide what your core values are. Um, you know, as a, as a collective group. And then you've got to say, well, we've got to build, we've got to put systems in place in our school or on our football team. We're going to reinforce those core values. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, you, if this is what you're about, this is what you're going to emphasize. You know, you, you've heard the age old saying, you get what you, what you emphasize. Well, that's it. You know, whatever you, you believe in as a group, let's make it about that. So it ain't hard, you know, we just got to have people out there that, that make the focus that and not wins and losses or test scores or anything like that. Or the other thing you see too, is the, the focus on, you know, blaming somebody else. Like, you know, everyone, everyone can point out the problem and then you're like, all right, cool. What do you want to do about it? And then everyone goes back to their cell phone, you know, or <laughs> find something uh, yeah. else. We'll, we'll just let coach Harper worry about that, you know, or. Well, well, one of the worst one of the worst places is and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus but is we already know is, what you're going to say is in education. Oh, like, for sure, for sure. Teachers are the worst at this at least where I've been. Um man, no different here. <laughs> man, do they like to complain about everything? Like it, it, they could be the principal would come out and say one thing they'd be like, "Oh, you know, I feel like I'm in uh, that movie Office Space." <laughs> and the guy that's always like freaking out about everything that's what it seems like but it's everybody almost and then there'll be like the few guys like the few people that are like uh seem like normal people and everyone like wants to laugh at them i'm like well at least they're you know golly you guys think everything's the worst and then principal could come right back and say oh i meant the other way and they'd be like well i'm just telling that won't work jeez <laughs> louise just come on guys go to work do your job <laughs> just it's crazy yeah, you know, in this in teaching the teaching profession at least, you know, we've got to be our biggest advocates. You know, in the coaching profession, we've got to be our biggest advocates. We can't be just tearing the system down or anything like that because we're not doing ourselves any favors. You know, when a, when a kid asks me in class, you know, how come teachers don't make that much money or whatever the question is, you know, where they're 
trying to poke holes in the job, I say, well, hey, I've got, it ain't about the money. You know, I got a great job where I get to see different people each day. I, you know, no two days are the same for me. And I get to uh, hopefully make an impact on somebody. Um, you know, you got to be able to spin it in a direction where it's going to resonate with the people around you. Um, I, yeah, I was listening to another show I listened to. Y'all know what the success hotline is? No, no, okay. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Um, so success hotline is uh, apparently it's been going on for a long time, even before I was born, I think, but it was like a phone number you dial into. And, uh, this sports psychologist from, I think Michigan state university, Dr. Roy Gilbert, I believe, um, he has these three to four minute kind of little, uh, motivational messages for you to listen to and kind of take in. And, um, uh, he's been doing this every day for like, you know, however long since 1992 is, uh, That's awesome. yeah. So I was listening to just some of them today cause I kind of like to use them as bell ringers in my class. We'll come in and just as a class, we'll listen to just three, four minute, uh, little message he has for us and then we just kind of break it down and I call that my life science because I'm a science teacher but I call it life science and I tell him it's probably the 15 most important minutes of the day but anyway um, I was listening to one today where he talks about our greatest fear is you know not anything like spiders or anything like that but it's our potential um, and and getting over that fear of getting out of our comfort zone Mm -hmm. to do what we think is right or you know whatever the case is and uh, he went on to make a great point that when we decide that we're gonna step out and and do the unpopular thing or make the statement that's kind of seen as out there that it helps other people realize that oh well it's a good thing if I talk positively about coaching or teaching or whatever and so other people are gonna do that as well and it really resonated with me and it's it's funny that it kind of came back up in our discussion right here (laughs) <laughs> what's and, that called again so i can write it down uh success hotline dr roy gilbert he's been doing it i think he's on episode ten thousand two hundred something I mean, it's, it's it's a lot man a lot of information but it's great though yeah three four minutes it's real quick nice and easy kids love it so give it a I shot it. we uh we, we've been doing a unit on uh we're doing it on on kind of talking about positive attitude and and how important that is and, and basically kind of that that frame of reference, whether you frame something positive or you frame something negative, and there's a lot of research out there about, you know, how, how people feel about that. So say, like one of the examples that the, I show a video to the kids and, and the, the doctor says, okay, we have a surgical procedure. And, and of course, I do it with the kids beforehand. I don't tell them, I'm like, hey, there's a surgical procedure. You, you have this problem with you. And guess what? Hey, there's a 70% success rate. You know, how do you, how do you feel about that? And when I kind of say it like that, literally every kid's like, thumbs up. Hey, 70% is better than half. Yeah, I got a, I got a chance. But then if I, if, I, if I instantly say the same thing to maybe like another group of kids and I talk like, hell, well, you know, we're going to do this surgery and uh, there's, a, there's a 30% chance it's not going to work. Literally every single person will go thumbs down on it. But I'm saying the exact same thing. You know, it doesn't matter if I'm saying, you know, 70, 70% positive or the 30% negative, but my body language and the way that I say things, it frames it. And then it's like, well, kids are like, well, you could go back and you can change it. It's like, well, no, they've done research on that too. As soon as you frame something as positive, they, they might change. But even if you come back now and you started with something negative or that negative connotation, you tell them, no, no, hey, by the way, you know, hey, it's, it's, actually, it's actually 70% positive. They'll still think negative about it. So it's like you're saying, you know, giving those kids that, that, 
that feeling at the start of class or the start of the day or whatever it is, when they come in and you're positive and you say something good and you frame it like that, guess what? You're already winning so much of the battle. And it was amazing to see the kids like, oh my God, I never even thought of it that way. And I'm like, well, what do you think, what do you think the media does to you? <laughs> it's the same thing. They can spin oh, yeah. it and frame it however they, they want you to, to think about it because that's how our minds work. And it's, it's just amazing some of those things that you can figure out just from your attitude and how you frame it. For sure. I mean, we, um, you know, it's, it's funny you, you bring that up because I was listening to another podcast and I'm, I'm giving shout outs all over the place tonight. But um, they're going to love you. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it's called Seven Minute Leadership. It's on Spotify. It might be on other stuff too. But anyway, same premise, real short messages, just kind of uh, getting some inspirational stuff out there. But the, the, the title of the podcast was Why Great Teams Fail. Um, and it kind of goes to what you were saying that, you know, you might have this stacked team of great players or whatever, and at the end of the day, they might fail at some point. And it's because they didn't necessarily have the right plan in place or weren't expecting something. It's kind of like, you know, our varsity team, we stumbled a little bit this year. We, we won our region and all that, um, and then wound up uh, falling short in the first round of the playoffs. And it kind of was a real disappointment because two of the teams that we had beat by three touchdowns or more in the regular season wound up going three rounds deep. And so, you know, we, we kind of just had to accept that, you know, sometimes good teams fail and it's what you do after that failure or whatever the case is, how you spin that, you know, do you wallow in it and just, you know, self-pity or whatever you, do you get a plan in place to try to um, spin it in a positive direction? So you're right. It's all about that perspective, that spin when you're talking about um, whether you're communicating with people or, uh, trying to get a program going in a certain direction. Coach, how do you, you, you talked about bell ringer and, and sorry not to be on football, but I really loved what you're talking about. Um, how do you use uh, success hotline again with bell ringers? Is it, is it you, do you use it every day or is it like a, a once a week? And then, so what are you asking the kids to do? You're going to play it. And then um, uh, how do you make that, I guess, not into a grade, but, but how do you, how do you format that into your class time? Cause I love that idea and I would love to do that. <clears throat> So, you know, I, I kind of got the idea with how we're developing our, our JV summer program right now. Um, last summer, one of the things that we did was we created this summer install plan uh, where we talked about the week with the dates and what we're going to install on defense, what we're going to install on offense. Um, and, and one thing that I wanted to improve upon this year was I wanted to do a culture install. And so, you know, I'm looking at our deal right now, and the first column's culture install because to me that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then you know the defense and offense obviously come next. So we're going to start each workout um, with a with a message that's related to one of our core values. And again, I'm, I didn't invent this. You know, this is just stuff I've collected and put in place. And so making that outline. I thought, well, why am I not doing this in my classroom too? How come at the beginning of each class I'm not having a motivational 10 to 15 minute conversation with my kids um, where we can kind of bounce ideas off each other about whatever the topic is? Um, and so that's kind of just how it came about. And how I specifically format it, um, you know, we got Google Classroom and all that. So I'll link the uh, message for the day on their Google Classroom, mm -hmm. um, and they've got kind of a running log of all the, um, I call it 
uh, lessons for success is kind of how I title it. And uh, the idea is that if they go however many months with me that they got me and we knock out these every day that by the end of it, they'll have this collection of material where they in theory can go back and look at it and kind of maybe it'll change some of their decisions that they make for the better. And mm -hmm. um, so what, what I'm trying to help them develop is a resource that they can go back to, to kind of lift themselves up or to think about things in a certain way. And it actually came from football. You know, it's one of those situations where, uh, football helped out the teaching side of it rather than the teaching helped out the football side of it. We do, we do something similar. Hart. So, do you, so, so again, and I don't mean to get too specific on it, but is it something like, so, you know, the first 15 minutes, you guys know you're doing that. So is that, uh, you, you share the link with them and then you give them about 10 minutes and then you, you just start a discussion or, or how does that work? Maybe walls. I, I know you said you do something similar. I'm, I'm open either way, but, um, I'm getting to where, yeah, cause I'm, I'm, I'm in the same thing. I'm in science coach and, and I'm okay. astronomy right now. I think I'm going to maybe environmental next year, but right now I'm in astronomy and, and I'm, and I'm not frustrated, but it's like, man, there's just so much about astronomy that if a kid wants to know, he can look it up at the house, you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. I, I'm getting to a point where I, I still love it and I still let love letting these kids know, but the, the most important part to me is is trying to let these kids help them be successful in life outside of just what are you learning about astronomy? And, and when you brought that up, I was like, man, that would be a great idea to go 10 minutes or five or 15, whatever it is, and, and be able to, to, you know, put some of that in their lives as well. So maybe you or, or coach walls, I know walls, you guys do similar stuff to that. What would that look like? Five, 10 minutes of letting them watch it or, or read through it and then what start a discussion uh, yeah okay so my bad I should have explained it a little better um I have I link it on their Google classroom just for those particular students who kind of need that extra focus okay where they pop some earbuds in but I'll play it out loud within right after the tardy bell rings I tell them to get their Google Doc loaded up um, kind of showed them how it should be formatted where it's kind of like the date of the message what the topic is and then I kind of challenge them just to write out any tidbits that get said in the message that really resonate with the kids. Um, and I want them to write that stuff down so that whenever that five minute message is up, we have a good 10 minute discussion as a class and in small groups about kind of what spoke to us. Um, and then we just kind of bounce ideas off each other and it's really turned into a special time for the class and had a girl in there today who, you know, I can't say she was always like the, the star student, um, but she was in there today talking about how she really enjoyed that, that mm -hmm. first 15 minutes. And I would do it for the whole hour if I could, but I got to teach right. certain standards. <laughs> I got to teach certain right. standards, but, um, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it goes, uh, you know, if it's a slow day, it might only be 10 minutes. And if it's a really juicy topic, it might be 20 minutes, but you know, you can always, I don't think any principal in America is going to get too mad at you, um, for emphasizing, uh, these types of messages with your kids. No, it was, it was honestly Harper. It was, it was how I got the instructional coaching job because <laughs> principals, principals seriously had come in and they're like, you do this every week. And I, I was teaching chemistry coach. So you got three science, you know, three science guys. <laughs> on, and they're like, you do this every week. I'd say, yeah, it's, it's coach walls Wednesday. So we'd have, you know, shortened class periods and, and we'd do something similar. I would just have that lesson kind of planned and, and let's roll. But you know, one of the things we've done now, and, and like coaches said, you know, I've just made it like a journal. 
So, you know, how kids, you know, some of them have like their little personalized journals, but you know, every single day they come in and, and it's the topic. So like this week it was, you know, positive attitude. And then I'd have, you know, maybe a question or two. It's like coach had said, Hey, sometimes it's what resonates with you when you hear this message, or I've already listened to it. And I have a couple of questions that prompt it. And then sometimes if it's really cool, I'll, I'll even kind of like push it towards, Hey, find another quote you know, that, that connects to this. So now you're getting them to even think a little bit deeper with it. And then the really cool thing that, you know, I'd never really done. And, and my, my other coach that I work with, Alyssa Jones, she'd kind of pushed me towards, Hey, now to really make that connection, tie it into, you know, the end of the lesson or tie it into maybe a sharing component, but then ask them, how is what you learned from this going to improve your life or how is what you're going to learn from this how can you implement that in your life or what's an area you could use this so now all of a sudden you hear some of the kids say man I should be using this in AP physics and my grades str struggling you know and I, and I wasn't thinking about this I could be using this with the relationship with my mom and dad or my brother so you start to see kind of those connections and then now when they share that with me I'm able to go have a conversation with that kid like hey you know tell me about how it's going with your brother or, hey, tell me how, you know, it went with Miss Jones in your, you know, AP, AP physics class. So what do you, you just ask, hey, does anyone want to share what they wrote in their journal, basically? I mean, is that what you do after they wrote it down that, I mean, or. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that'll, that'll take some time. And I'm sure coach can say, but, you know, they have to be comfortable with the rest of the class. Right. Well, that's, all, so that's kind of times, what I was looking at. Is it just come yeah. from you sharing what you thought about it? Yeah, sometimes that, or, or they'll be a lot more comfortable. Hey, talk to an elbow partner, as we say, talk to your, your partner. And they'll share it with their partner. I mean, that, they want to talk to their friends all the time. So no I, just walk around. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just walk around and I say, hey, just talk to a partner. Now they're doing the same thing. They're talking. Right. You know, they're, 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 they're saying the stuff about it. And I can just walk around. And if I hear something, now I can, I can kind of give them that confidence to where it's like, you know, when, when I just ask, all right, who wants to share? And everyone's scared and they don't want to say the wrong thing. Well, maybe now I see Jimmy. I'm like, hey, Jimmy, that's a really good answer. Uh, would you mind sharing that here in, about, in a couple minutes? And all of a sudden now I've given him the confidence and, hey, it's going to be okay. Your answer's good. Now they'll be more willing to share. But I kind of let them get it out. Hey, talk to your buddies. You know, they can still rap about something else. And then you can always kind of pull them back together and then have a mini discussion. All right, hey, I want two groups to share. Jimmy, your group was really good. Can you start for us? Boom. So, Coach, is this something uh, that you – obviously you started it kind – of, or you started it, you said, with football. That kind of bled over into um, your science class. But how are you now using some of those things with your, with your football team as well? Uh, so, so, how it currently looks is, um, you know, I expanded um, – if I, I – I created a Google Doc, I guess is where I should start, um, where I kind of had a similar – outline to how I do it in my classroom where it's kind of three columns and one's about the topic one's kind of some notes from it and then the other one's kind of a link to the source um, and what I started doing is just every single piece of information I can get my hands on I, it's kind of my system for keeping track of my professional development or just things that I'm getting access to and so if I read something from coach Jackson about culture from his blog you know I'm going to have topic culture notes you know whatever big things that I pulled from it, direct link to the source that I just had it. And so I've got this huge running Google Doc of all the stuff that I've been able to get my hands on. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of kicking myself because if I had started this earlier, you know, there's no – I'd have a daggum of 
30 something page doc I could always go back and look at, you know, this is kind of something I had to decided to do. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but how, how I'm wanting to use it and how I've kind of talked with some of the guys I coach with, um, is I, I started sharing that Google doc with them. I gave them rights to it so that, uh, they know kind of when I bring ideas to the table, where I'm coming from and what information or what source uh, kind of gave me that inspiration. That's and awesome. so hopefully um, you know, they're expanding on that. You know, it's kind of a collaborative effort. And then hopefully I can see, you know, the ideas that they have kind of where they came from, you know, cause that's all this is nobody, you know, there's a few of the people out there that create everything and then everybody else is just kind of manipulating it and turning it in their own thing. And so, um, uh, you know, it's great just to be able to collaborate on this, you know, like you call it, if you want to call it the Bible, I call it the program is kind of how I, on my Google doc, but, <laughs> awesome. but yeah, you know, we, it's, it's, it's been great so far. And, um, when I go to our workouts after school and stuff, I can kind of say, Hey, did you happen to see what I read the other day? You know, Cause I got it dated and all that on there too. And they say, yeah, well, I really like the thing that you had on here. You know, I want to look more into that. So I, I think it's been a great way where, we can get on the same page with um, what we want to do and what we want to be about and what we want to be teaching these kids. So um, kind of goes back to just how we technology has helped connect us more than ever. Um, and, you know, getting as creative as possible with it can only make us smarter and do things better. I agree, man. I, you know, our, our old coach that, you know, Harper still works for him and, and, uh, and I worked for him obviously for many years, but his, his quote all the time was, you can't coach stupid. And I, I mean, I, you know, sometimes you kind of sit there and you laugh, but it's, it's so true. I mean, if you, ha if you have people, I mean, either who, you know, they can't learn because you're not teaching it correctly, you know, cause again, I always take ownership of that when kids aren't learning, you know, that's my fault as a teacher or, you know, the, the ability of them to, you know, not improve their decision-making or not, they're not willing to learn. So I think, you know, finding ways to, to get that done. I mean, it, when you have kids who, who can go out there and they, they know what to do and they can line up correctly. And then not only that, they make great decisions. They can, they can make good calls and good checks. And then off the field, you know, that your, your culture is going to be upheld because they're making great decisions you know, off the field, that all comes back to, to being willing to learn and, and getting an education. You know, I think, you know, if you're educated, you're going to make better decisions, period. Oh, for sure. I, uh, you know, I, when I think about what a good leader to me is, I don't think of the guy who's drawing stuff up on the whiteboard. I think of the guy who is building capacity for the people who work for that person, so to speak, or who that person is kind of the leader of, you know, some of the best principals or instructional coaches or whatever, um, you know, they're not necessarily saying, well, this is how I do it, yada, 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 but they're building up what their teachers can do, what their other coaches can do. That's right. um, and I think, you know, it can even spread to the players too. How I'm more proud of the capacity I can build with, Joe Schmo, who might be last on the depth chart, um, you know, how far can I get this kid built or how much capacity, how many tools can I provide this kid? I'm more proud of those types of successes. And I know my other coaches are too, than I am the kid who we knew was going to be a great athlete. And, um, you know, we kind of knew what he was capable of, but I love just seeing some of the guys that are kind of the underdog role, um, right. be able to 
gather some tools and serve the program with some purpose. And ultimately when they get out of school, have some tools to be able to handle life. Um, so, you know, that's just, that's good leadership to me. Amen, man. I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that's the, you know, the, the end game, you know, if we're going to continue to grow the game and, and hopefully, you know, continue ultimately to, to you know, grow families and grow this country and, and grow what we are. It's, it's going to be all about the, these people that, you know, we're putting out there because you, you've already said it as scary as it might be. It is the future. And guess what? There was a generation before us who was saying the exact same thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, coach, it, it's been, uh, it's been an awesome hour. I, I've gained a, a ton from it and I'm going to try to use actually what you talked about. I'm going to try to use it tomorrow. It's our last Go day till it. spring break and oh, yeah. it'd be a good day to kind of, try it out and and maybe even uh, depending on how it goes be able to use it for the rest of the semester so really excited to to try that out but uh it last question I always love to ask everybody is is kind of getting back to football is when you're watching another team's offensive line what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach oh man or I know when I go back you know and i I played a little bit offensive line in high school, so I kind of have that background. But just, just how nasty are those guys? You know, are they are they knocking bodies on the ground? Are they are they giving it great effort? You know, one of our core values as a, as the JV program is relentless effort. Well, you know, that's something that we emphasize when we put the tape on. Is that what teams see about us? That they're going to get a team with relentless effort. And so I guess I kind of use that same criteria when I'm looking at other teams. You know, I guess I kind of look at what we value and I see, hey, they've got some kids that go hard. You know, they might not necessarily be the the stud or whatever, but they got a scrawny little guard that is cutting the crap out of this guy or whatever the case is. So I guess just that effort, um, you know, and, and their discipline and all that, those are the things I try to notice. Coach, man, this has been an awesome hour. You know, I, I appreciate you, you sharing, you know, kind of your journey and and not only that, but, you know, some of the things that you've learned, uh, you know, kind of in, in all realms, you know, both as you know, being vulnerable and telling us about your first year as kind of a head coach. And at the same time, you know, knowing you're continuing your education and, and some of the things you're doing in your classroom, I, I know that there'll be a lot of listeners out there that sincerely appreciate that. And, and quite honestly, it's always something that we can get better at. So I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with our listeners. I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, you know, I know we joked at the beginning. I'm really glad this wasn't an X and O talk or this thing would have been over after about 20 minutes. But, uh, you know, I'm glad you guys had me on. This is something I've always been interested in. I went out on a limb uh, just because you know, out of my comfort zone, you, know, you can ask the guys I coach with. I'm not a man of many words. So um, you can ask my wife that too. I, I'm not a man of many words. But um, I appreciate the opportunity you guys gave me. Um, and hopefully somebody in your audience can get something from it because it ain't like I'm a rocket scientist or anything. It was, it was excellent, man. I'm, I'm, I'm most definitely uh, certain that somebody's going to get something out of it. So we appreciate it, man. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore coach 
and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.